Love God, love the church, love the people of God. They make the difference. We make the difference. Worship team, you did extraordinarily well. Jilly and Luke and the boys, the engine room, the singers, the multimedia. Anyone listening to us on the web right now, I think they were in this big, big building, you know, with all this stuff. We're in a, we're in a tent, people out there in internet land. And uh, we've got the best multimedia, the best sound, the best hospitality, the best God, the best presence of God, the best people of God coming to this place. But four weeks, we shall be in our lush, plush, air-conditioned kitchen, toilets, toilets for the girls, toilets for the men, toilets for the disabled, hot, cold, running water, electricity, more power more power than you can poke a stick at. And doors. You mightn't think a door is a luxury item in this nation of Australia, but when you've lived in a tent for five years, a door is a luxury of life. Shut the door. Love it. Not draw the curtain curtain over the, or the tent flap there and it blows away and starts to leak and your Bibles are getting soaked. Thank God for that one mill of fabric now used to be two mil, it's only one now, and uh, we thank you for one mil of fabric between us and the elements, and Father, this is a miracle in itself, is it not? It's, it's an amazing thing, how God can preserve you in an environment called a tent. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed at those rock climbers, they get themselves up, you know, thousands of feet above, and then they pull up, pull up stumps, where? On the sheer cliff. And they put their pegs in and with these special tents that are designed to hang off the side of the mountain. Is that a good night's sleep, ladies? <laughs> what if your hubby said, we're, gonna, we're just going to perch here. We're just going, what? No, get me out of here now. It feels like that being a Christian sometimes, you know. You get yourself up, you climb the mountain, you know. Climb every mountain. And you get yourself up and you go, what am I doing up here? What am I doing here? Given to God, praying to God, loving God, committing to this 3C Tugra church. What am I doing? And, uh, but it's an adventure. This is a great adventure. Well, this is part three. I'd like to think that this is part three of possessing your inheritance. Say possessing your inheritance. I hope you've got your Bibles, your notebooks, and uh, praise God, and just grab them out. We're talking about this, and, I, and I just, just, I'm passionate about this message. I'm passionate, and I'll get you to write some statements down as we go through. As Christians, we have an inheritance spiritually and physically. You have an inheritance in God. So Christians have this understanding that we are on a journey moving our life forward, forward, onward Christian soldiers, forward to inherit our stuff of life, our inheritance, our spiritual and our physical Look at these young, fine people on the front row serving the house and they have claimed their inheritance to serve the God. It's a powerful thing. Acts 17 verse 26, our covenantal blessings and our inheritance will never be fully realized without being where God calls us to be. I believe this, that there's a place for you to be planted and where you're planted and you allow your roots to go down. Because a tumbleweed is not a very nice looking sight. If you're tumbleweeding through life, and you've seen the movies, the ghost towns, the one, there's actually whole cities in America where there was some lively business happening, and then 
the, 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 the mineral or, or the, the stuff just dried up. Whole shopping centers, whole suburbs vacated because this product that they camped around, as miners say, it just evaporated. And you can go to these, and they're ghost towns. And literally, it'd be like going to Westfields, no one there, nothing happening, just tumbleweeds blowing through the car park, and, and nothing. And, 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 you know, you don't want to be a tumbleweed. You want to be a trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, for we are... Da-da-da. Glorified. It's an old song, guys. You're so blessed that you're not in living in the 80s. Born again, born to win. I'm a child of the Most High God. Remember, Robin? Because we've been doing church together since the late 80s. Isn't that right? We used to sing these songs. I don't know how we kept our kids alive in it, but we did. You know, we got to produce all this boom, 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 boom just to keep all our youth on fire for God. If we went back to that, this place would be vacated overnight. We'd have just, just a few of us. Just Acts 17, 26, And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. 27, God did this so that men would seek him. We're a church about seeking God. Churches where your covenantal blessing is established through your faithfulness, your commitment, your partnership. And so in turn, you flourish without partnership, without engaging. This don't work. You've got to partner with your church. So if you're visiting, if you're glancing us, and if you're just window shopping like some of us do, well, that's cool. But one day you've got to say, I'm going to go in and I'm going to buy the thing. I'm going to wear it. Amen. Otherwise, you're just window shopping and it never works. You never develop the appearance of someone who's well connected to God and to the church and to the covenant that God blesses you in that. When you're committed, your roots go down, your spiritual roots go down, and all of a sudden you start budding. Man, all of a sudden you can pick a guitar up and start playing or, or, or you can do stuff for the church. You start to produce stuff in your life. Amen? Fruits of the Spirit start to be eminent in your life. And the gifts of the Spirit, you start to prophesy. Gift of faith, you start to believe for God to work through you. That happens when you connect to the church. Is that right? Give him a hand right there. Praise God. You will flourish. You will flourish if you commit and partner with the church. Praise God. We talked about, and I'm just paraphrasing some of the stuff I've said over the last two weeks, securing your your portion is about prayer, prayer, prayer. If you look at the book of Joshua, he went into the promised land, secured his boundaries, secured his boundaries. Jericho came down, took that and more. Giants were taken out. And that's why they say this is a Joshua generation. They're taken giants and they're taken, they're taken giants of poverty down. Something that unfortunately the baby boomers suffer from where they hoard and where, because we lived in a time where Money wasn't, you know, you know, money was viewed totally different. Now money is a tool to bless. It's not a, it's not a thing to hoard. It's a thing to receive and to give out. And, and in that, you are a recipient of God's, God's upgrading in your life to be blessed, to be a blessing. Amen? You are optimized in God and your business starts going off. Your jobs are getting better. Your finances are flowing in because you understand that you're here on this planet living to be blessed of God, but to be a blessing. That testimony of who God is, it's designed freely you have received, freely give. 
if you have received Jesus, give it away. Give it away. Because it's when you give it away that the logjam begins to be freed in your life. If some people just got a logjam, they can't speak, they can't give out God, and they just don't think they've received that much. But you have generously received, gen- generously received through Christ crucified salvation. And in that, you've got to understand it's worth giving away. There's a season of inheritance. Write that down. There's a season of inheritance. Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us that everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. To the children of God, God ordained that every 50 years was to be a year of jubilee. year of jubilee where debts were cancelled. Stuff was returned back to those people. Amen. Debts released. They were released from debts. Their possessions were returned back to them. And individuals, including, received back their inheritance. And it was about regaining your inheritance. I believe there's people in this church that are on the brink, that are in a season to receive back, like a modern-day jubilee, they're here to receive back their inheritance. Do you know what I'm saying? You're going to get that stuff back. It could be your prayer life. could be your innocence in God. could be your faith in God. could be your love in God. could be your first love in God. Help me. Is that right? When you come into this house, you feel, oh, gee, where's I'm a bit slack. Well, I'm sorry, but um, we're full on for God. And we're not following the common denominator of a non-praying, non-loving, non-passionate church. I refuse to do that. I'm going to be a forerunner and lead the way and, 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 and be passionate for God. And I'm hoping I've got a company of people that are following me, following the, the, the pastor, following the leaders, following C3 Tugger, because that's all he is. And there's people coming, they're visiting, and they're going to go, I've got a choice. I'm going to get on fire for God, or I'm just going to get feel totally awkward in this place. Well, I just recommend you get on fire for God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Put your hands together. Come on. Oh, yeah. Isaiah 61 speaks of this in many aspects of restoration, such as beauty for ashes, the oil for mourning, the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness, healing for the brokenhearted, liberty for the captives, sight for the blind, double honor for shame. I believe that there is a double portion anointing. Just just hanging around, just waiting. There's some people who are going to get doubly blessed. Doubly blessed. Do you know what I'm saying? Believe in it. Some people have been living in abject poverty of no smile, no joy, no life, no testimony, no God, no just just can't just can't understand what they've received to be even to understand that they have got something to give away god has a plan to see that we possess and secure in our inheritance i'm going to come to that very shortly our abiding place spiritually is linked to our physical abiding place that's church there's no doubt about it he strategically puts us just write that down he strategically puts us where we are to live in order to not only possess inheritance so what I'm speaking here now is about you possessing your inheritance. So you know what I mean? I'm here preaching to stir you up, to enthuse you, the Bible says, to stir you up to, to do better, to claim more, to, to be a bigger person, more of an influence, to get more, more stuff of God, more righteousness, more holiness, more faith, more hope, more love. That's what the preacher is doing now. I'm like a coach. I'm stirring you up. So when you go into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, you're on the playing field of life and you want to you score. You want to move forward. You want to be a partner with God and score for God. Amen? Score goals. 
win. Victorious. People think that the word success is a corporate word. No, failure is not a good word in God's books, amen, unless it has to do with teaching you something in the crucible of life to teach you some character or something. But failure is not really the, the optimum uh, sort of game, uh, the result of, of, of your life. Success is. I love to hear, man, I talked to my neighbor the first time I've been living next to her for five years. I talked to her and I think she really got blessed with my testimony. Success! Praise God. I went to the prayer meeting and for the first time I really felt I was contributing and, and thank you for all the people that have prayed this week. I went to the prayer meeting and for the first time in years I really felt God was using me, flowing through me and I really felt I was a valuable contribution to that prayer meeting. Success! Amen? Amen. Success is what we need. Success is what we need in your finances. You know? I invested and I got blessed. Praise God. I gave to God and look what I got now. Success. Praise God. All right. The greatest portion that we have of Christians is, of course, God. Amen? That's our number one inheritance we've got to claim. So if you haven't got quite that yet, we're going to see about it at the end of the service. You, there's going to be a time where you can claim your salvation, which is due you. As, a, as a, a person made in the image of God, you are due your inheritance of salvation. You don't have to live in, in abject poverty of not understanding that you're saved, set free, born again, and on fire for God. Amen? We see David chose his portion, and the Bible says in, I think it's Psalms 16, verse 11, the boundary lines. I think he talks about the boundary lines falling in pleasant places. And look, haven't the boundary lines fallen for you in pleasant places? I mean, look at your life. It's so blessed, really. I mean, truly, take stock. Come away from that TV, get your head get your mind, get your soul baptized in, into the will of God and understand this, that right now you are totally blessed of God. But if you look at the Brady Bunch, you think, oh, my grass is not green as that. Boy, I wish my driveway looked like that. Boy, I wish my kids were outstanding like that. I mean, I mean you know, I wish I was like Mr. Brady and, and I wish I was like, who's the lady? Help me. Carol, what a... Man... I wish I could cook like that lady. Who was the other lady? Alice. Oh, I wish I had Alice in my house cooking like that. Wouldn't that be great? Praise God. Alice, where are you? There's a special portion, a spiritual portion, a physical portion. So we got, write that down. There is a spiritual portion and there is a physical portion. And then we claim our inheritance and we pass it down to our kids. Proverbs 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. Children, Everything that we claim, I want to pass it down to my kids. I want to pass this church down, uh, Tim and others and all the long-termers. We want to pass this down to the next, this row here, this row here, these, these young guys. And, and, and then, then you guys, Jason, you're coming in behind them, amen? And then, and then oh, we've got to run out of kids. Where are they? They're, they're all gone to kids' church. Okay, praise God. All right, well, that's great. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I want to leave an inheritance that... Man, that we've claimed, fought hard for and claimed and then we give back down through the ranks, down through our kids. I don't want to leave a half-hearted lifestyle in God, a, a church that is compromised and slack and, 
man, I want to leave a church that's on fire, that's taking ground, that's building and continuing to build and, 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 and look at that, look at what we've got already. I'm looking out there and then there's so much more to claim in Jesus' name. Claiming your inheritance is not just for you, it's for your children's children. So I'm, <laughs> these kids, these guys are going to have children? It's for their children. That's, that's how far I'm thinking and even beyond. Often possessing our inheritance means just that, moving and actively grabbing hold of what the Lord intends to be yours. Amen? It's not automatic. The Lord's Prayer teaches that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom, all your will, all your purposes, all the great stuff that you've got for me as a plan for this church, for you individually, for, for us corporately. Lord, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See that? Here and up there. Down with heaven onto the earth. And we pray that. We're praying that down. That's why we come to prayer meetings. We're praying, Lord, let there be an open heaven. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. I'm seeing it. Like great big boxes, gifts coming out of, cascading out of heaven. Just coming down. Bang. Just, I can just see those boxes just breaking open in the prayer meetings and just... Just breaking open and there's the will of God for someone. There's the will of God for our finances. There's the will of God for our health. There's the will. Man, if we could see what happens and transpires through the prayer meeting of the church, you would come and just watch the spectacle and be amazed at God's will being fulfilled. Amen? You love this stuff? It's awesome. Praise God. Claiming your inheritance. Jesus taught the disciples to pray that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10, Luke 11.12. Even if you have lost your inheritance, I said, even if you have lost your inheritance, God has a plan. Listen to me. God has a plan. Listen to me. God has a plan to restore your inheritance. He has a plan. But where you're planted is where you'll be blessed to understand the strategic nature of the plan to claim what's yours in Jesus' name. Corporately and individually, I believe right now, even as you sit there and are under the unction of my words, something is gelling, something is being loose, something is being released in your spirit to understand what needs to be done in all your matters, in all your affairs called life. Amen? Strategically, you might be right now saying, I've got to go on a three-day fast. Who's saying that right now? No, no one. I thought so. <laughs> Jenny was. Jenny went. <laughs> Jenny was. Jenny put up. Soon as Katrina went, oh, hand went down. She was just about to. She thought the whole church was going to lift her hands, and she went. She did. I think there was a couple others too. Good on you, Jenny. Don't, don't fall, fail to peer pressure, sister. If you want to go to three-day fast, do it in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> yes. We shall. We shall. Position yourselves now, guys. Say position myself now. Out of the ruins. Out of the ruins. Isaiah 61 verse, verse 4, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. We need to rebuild our lives, guys. I'm looking at some of you. You need to rebuild your life. You need to rebuild your mindset. You re need to rebuild your spiritual life. You need to rebuild your, your, your life. Come on, guys. They will renew the ruined cities. There's ruined cities of even towns and churches. We're going to rebuild as we 
place ourselves, position ourselves now with strategy, with strategic help from God. And He's going to make a way for us. And we're going to claim what's ours in Jesus' name. And the Word of God says that have been devastated for generations. Some of our family, even our generational men, have not lived in God. Have not had God. And some of us are first-time generational believers. Put up your hand if you're a first... What do we call this, Jules? They're, they're first... First generation believers, put up your hands. That's Pauline, that's Frank. I see others, I see others. Yeah, Brett, first generation, that's the Calvin's, yeah, and, and then there's Mark, and then there's Sharon at the back there, first generation. That means if, you're, if your family wasn't Christians, but now you put the brakes on and said, I'm going to worship God, I'm going to serve God. And that is exactly what, what uh, Ruth did with Naomi. And we'll go to that story right now. Turn your Bibles open to Ruth if you can find it. God bless you. I haven't got much time left, have I? You're in a season of inheritance, guys. We're going to see babies. We're going to see marriages. We married. We married, of course, yesterday. We did a marriage, didn't we? And it was fantastic around the pool down at Shelley Beach Resort. And we married Daniel and Cherie Mitchell. Now, Mitchell, whatever God puts together, let not man pull asunder. Amen? And I had the great opportunity to marriage them and tease God out and how God is part of their life. Three-corded strand cannot be broken that means that daniel and sheree and god as a three-quarter strand they can't be broken up amen it's a powerful thing and it was wonderful that wedding and uh, it was just short cute but she looked fantastic to be honest fantastic i love weddings just awesome bridal parties groomsmen sweating in suits too small for them no these guys look good actually Daniel was awesome. He just really stood his ground. He said, I feel the presence of God. I went, whoa. He said, no, I'm being married in the sight of God. I went, whoa. I said, good on you, man. He said, no, this is, I'm waiting for this day. This is my inheritance. He was virtually like that. I just saw a different guy in him yesterday, just standing in the moment, just saying, no, this is me. This is mine. I want it. I want it now. The account of Ruth is one of the most amazing stories of restoration of inheritance. Here was a woman with no hope for any meaningful future. Yet because of obedience to a covenant, her life was released into the fullness of joy. She was restored beyond anything she could have imagined or hoped for. The story of Ruth, a Moabitess, that means she didn't know God. They served foreign gods. Great-grandmother, in fact, of David, King David. This story has four essential elements. Naomi, Boaz, son of Rahab, the harlot found in Jericho, do you remember? Ruth, and the city of Bethlehem. The story opens with Naomi, whose family had great wealth and inheritance living in Bethlehem. But famine began to overtake the city of Bethlehem. Not knowing what to do, the whole family left the area left their inheritance behind and went to Moab. Some people have actually done that. They've left their inheritance. They've gone somewhere in their spiritual journey and they've left their inheritance feeling that they needed to go find it. Not knowing what to do, the whole family left the area, left their inheritance behind and went to Moab. Naomi's husband and sons died there in Moab. So they're in Bethlehem, but there was a famine here. And they left Bethlehem, where their inheritance was. 
and they went out, Naomi, her husband, their sons, and they went to Moab. But Moab was blitzed by a famine. And unfortunately, the husband died. And the sons died. And Naomi was left with two two daughter-in-laws. Isn't that right? Naomi's husband and sons died there in Moab. Famine and death and desolation caused all hope for inheritance to be lost. Naomi had absolutely nothing left but two daughter-in-laws, one of whom was Ruth. Naomi, Naomi, whose name meant pleasant, had nothing in her heart but bitterness. Naomi, the name, means pleasant. Do you know what I'm saying? Naomi realized that she wasn't pleasant. Life had done her an injustice and she was blaming God. In fact, she was bitter. Naomi probably shared the Israelite belief that God blessed the righteous and brought calamity on the unrighteous. It says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2, Job 11, 13 and 20. Again, she named the Almighty as the one who had brought misfortune upon her. She was blaming God. Naomi was blaming God for her. Some people are like that. Some people actually, even Christians, blame God for some of the injustices in their life. The enemy can so assault us in our lives that the very opposite of what God intends for us becomes our identity. For Naomi, that meant that her pleasantness had turned to bitterness. Some people's manifestation in their life is a complete opposite to what God would want for their life. Amen? Yet she remembered that the inheritance her family once had was back in Bethlehem, not in Moab. So she decided to go back. So without a husband, without her sons, she hits the road. Amen? Yet she remembered that there was an inheritance back at Bethlehem. Naomi brought her two daughters-in-law together and told them that she could not promise them a better life in Bethlehem because when she left, it was desolate. Remember, she left Bethlehem when it was desolate. Some people are out there hearing my voice now. You might have left the church when it was desolate. And the church goes through seasons. But there's seasons for good and there's seasons for bad. But in the end, God's church stands. You know what I'm saying? And so she remembers that, hang on, back at Bethlehem, my inheritance is back there. Some people are going to remember in these revival days, in this great awakening that's going to hit Australia, they're going to remember that their inheritance is back in church. And they're coming back to church. We're seeing them. 22 visitors we had in the church last Sunday morning. 22 visitors seeking out God, trying to work out God, trying to find out, can they do this? Can they come back to this place called church? Naomi's going back to Bethlehem. One daughter-in-law decided to stay in Moab. God has places of choices for us right now. When we get to a key deciding place in our lives, we find a biblical principle at work. God always gives us the opportunity to go all the way or turn around and go back. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen people in the life of this church who have, could have been receiving their inheritance right now of a, life, of, a, of a victory well fought and an inheritance therein. And they bailed out. They bailed out. But here is this woman, Ruth. She stayed. She stayed with Naomi. 
She stayed with the mother-in-law. Just turn it up a bit more, please. God bless you. But Ruth committed to go with Naomi. She said, I will go and I will die if necessary. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, verse 17. But Ruth, the word of God says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. We've had people in the life of this church. Where you go, Pastor Phil and Julie, where you go, we will go. If you're going over to the river, we'll go over the river. If you're going into a school hall, we'll go into the school hall. If you're going into the fields with a tent, we'll go into the fields with a tent. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. The most powerful words in the Bible thereabouts. You're probably... Your people will be my people, the Word of God says, and your God, my God. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. People are coming into the life of this church and are going to say, just like Cherry, we did her baby dedication this morning. And man, I can see her saying that. Your people, Carol, will be my people. Your God will be my God. I give my life to Jesus. And she did this morning. She gave her life to the Lord. All of 14. One of the most powerful phrases in the Bible. Ruth made covenant with Naomi. When she said, I will. Ruth was committed to fight by Naomi's side in spite of all the enemies of difficulties that might come their way. Most of us really do not fully understand the true power of the covenant to affect not only ourselves, but also our territory. Listen to me. You don't understand the inheritance that you claim that it affects not only you personally, but it affects you. It affects the territory where you live. Roz, it's affecting your street. It's affecting your town. It's affecting your family. It's affecting Tugra. Your life in this church, planted in this church, is affecting the Central Coast. Amen? This covenant stirred things up in Bethlehem because here they come back now. Naomi, I should come back this way because I went that way, didn't I? So they're coming back from Moab and they're coming back, Naomi, with this one precious young girl, Ruth. And the town becomes stirred. Bethlehem becomes stirred. And we're not sure why, but they might say, my God, what has happened? Look at Naomi, her countenance is down. She's bitter. You can obviously see it. Or they might be excited because they know now that Bethlehem is in harvest time. And all things are well. And they can see that Naomi is destitute. Isn't it great to see Christians come into the life of the church and you can see that they're destitute. No hope. No life. And when they come in, it's almost like we get stirred and celebrate and go, praise God. Look at these visitors we got today. We are stirred in our spirit with enthusiasm and passion seeing some of you visitors here today knowing that you're coming into your inheritance. Amen. Put your hands together right there. Praise God. Two widows entering a city was hardly cause for celebration. Yet the Bible says that when Ruth and Naomi came through the gates of Bethlehem, all the city was excited. We should be excited for everyone that comes through the doors of this church. Not a door yet, but through the tent curtains. Amen? Praise God. When they arrived back in Bethlehem, all they had was Ruth's covenant with Naomi. Turn it up a bit, please. God bless you. And a long lost inheritance that was somehow linked with this city. Ruth served Naomi faithfully. She was a woman of virtue, filled with power because of her commitment. Credible thing that this woman would go out into the fields and go behind the reapers 
and catch, just catch the, the stuff that was left. Just a few shreds of, of just some of the, 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 the harvest. And she would catch it and just all day, maybe 12 hours a day, she would follow and come back to Naomi's place and say, here, here's a little bit here. And they would make bread out of it. Praise God. She would glean in the fields, which meant that she would come behind the reapers and pick up the leftover grain in order to make the bread that would sustain them for one more day. Finally, Naomi. Some people have only got one more day in them when they come into this church. Just they get enough just to get one more day. They just get enough hope to have one more day. But the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. So Naomi decided to seek security for Ruth. She wanted to secure Ruth's inheritance. She realized that Boaz was a relative. What did I say? Boaz was a relative. And that there was a spiritual law over the area that provided for a relative to bring them back into their inheritance. Suddenly a light went on in Naomi's mind. God established provision for them in the Levitical law that said they had a right to family inheritance if the relative would become the kinsman redeemer. I said kinsman redeemer, kinsman redeemer, K-I-N-S-M-E-N, kinsman redeemer. So Naomi laid out a plan for Ruth to secure inheritance. This is what she told her to do. Number one, write this down, wash yourself. Ruth had been gleaning in the fields. She was tired and smelled. And you don't mind if I just motor mouth right now from this moment on. My time is gone. I've got five minutes exactly to finish this. So just hang on. Just write this down. Number one, wash yourself. Ruth had been gleaning in the fields. She was tired and smelled. Naomi knew that they were not going to come into an inheritance with the way that Ruth looked. So Ruth brought the water and began to wash herself. Today the Lord is sweeping across his body with cleansing revelation. We have worked hard. Some of us have worked hard too in the life of the church. And we too need to be cleansed. Today the Lord is sweeping across his body with a cleansing revelation. We have worked hard. We have toiled in the fields. And God says, stop, wash yourself. Let the word of God flow over you. Take a rest. Soak for a little while and allow the cleansing to refresh and renew. Who can say amen to that? Number two, anoint yourself. To anoint means to be smeared with fragrant oil. Ruth needed a new fragrance for the new season. Isaiah 61 speaks of the oil of joy that replaces the mourning in our souls. You see people with deep anguish, deep despair, deep disappointment in their life. They need the oil of the anointing. We need the anointing. The anointing will break off the despair, the discouragement. This is also part of the Jubilee. Ruth had not been in a season of joy. Rather, she had been in widowhood. But in order to move into her season of inheritance, she needed a new anointing of oil that would emit a pleasant fragrance. As you move into your season of inheritance, allow the Holy Spirit to cover you with a new anointing. Allow the oil of joy to replace the unpleasant odor of mourning in your life. Praise God. Three, three, put on your best garment. Write that down. Put on your best garment. Some people need to lose some of the garments they wear. Trust me. They need to put on a fresh garment. Whatever you can do, you might need to get rid of that old robe you're wearing, that old clothing you're wearing, and put on something that presents yourself, represents yourself to the world at large, including your God. The garment that Ruth had been wearing to work in the field was inappropriate. 
Remember, Ruth was still in her widow garment in order to secure her future. Her future, the widowhood that was dressed around her had to come off. The grief that she had been wearing was not good for the next place. It would not draw anyone to her. Like Joseph, Ruth needed to put on a new garment to move into her next place. Here is a lesson for us. Take off the grief. We go through hard, hard times. But when God says it's time to change your garments and remove your grief, don't let any self-pity keep that old garment buttoned up on you. Amen? Who can say amen to that? Can we draw in the people of the world if we are clothed with grief? No, God is going to have us put on a new garment that will show the world the comfort and encouragement they need. Just as Ruth and Joseph did, get ready to take off the old garment and put on a whole new mantle. I said mantle. Four, go to the threshing floor. Four, go to the threshing floor. The threshing floor had a dual purpose in those days. It was where the wheat and the chaff was separated, but it was also a place of feasting. So here Naomi says, Ruth, turn it up again, please. Ruth, I want you to go to the place where the party is being held. As we make ourselves ready, God is preparing a feast for us. And He is preparing us to go to the place where the party is happening. Five, wait for God's timing. Naomi told Ruth not to enter into the party right away. She was to stand back, wait until all the fun stopped, and then come out of the shadows. God is getting us established in our abiding place, so we are ready when the time comes. And Ruth was to go lay down at Boaz's feet. And as she did, there would be a distinct decision made. Can you imagine what Ruth must have been thinking? She was a virtuous woman and now she was told to lay at the feet of a man. This was a true test of submission. God is bringing the body of Christ to His feet and as we are to stay there until we receive His best. Boaz secures Ruth's inheritance. Boaz woke from his sleep and saw Ruth laying there. Then Boaz, a beautiful picture of a kinsman redeemer in the Lord Jesus, asked her who she was. Ruth identified herself as a close relative and asked him to draw her in and cover her, meaning, I need a redeemer. I'm a widow, disgraced, with no inheritance. You can take my shame, my poverty, the bleakness of my future, and give me an inheritance. You can totally redeem me, if you will. Boaz then explained to Ruth, that there was a relative closer to her than he and that there was an issue of order that had to be dealt with. And when he realized this, he pondered. God will show us some key issues of order that we have not seen before. Then Boaz went to see the relative who had first rights to Ruth. Boaz was determined that Ruth's inheritance would be secured one way or another. Jesus the Redeemer wants to secure your inheritance one way or another. What does He do? If we are God's people, we'll pull aside this day at His feet and submit ourselves to Him. He will be willing to do whatever He says. He will secure our inheritance one way or another. God is saying, come to my feet. You will not lose out. I will see that your inheritance is secured. For you are at a crossroads. But when the day breaks, your inheritance will be there for you one way or another. Then Boaz 
stood at the gate of Bethlehem and warred for Ruth. That's where all the business was done, at the gate of the city. All the business was done there. And he goes to the place of this gate. Boaz stood at the gates of Bethlehem and warred. He warred in the spirit for Ruth before receiving her as his wife. The redemptive plan of God could not be stopped. The seed of inheritance went into Ruth and she conceived a child. And that child was brought to Naomi, who was still bitter. Yet she began to nourish that child. A life flow began to pour out of Naomi and nourish the seed of her inheritance. The child produced from Ruth's union with Boaz was Obed, King David's grandfather and a direct ancestor of the Lord Jesus. As such, all generations have been blessed by the restoration of Naomi's inheritance. Ruth's covenant alliance and Boaz's obedience in the gates of Bethlehem. Boaz means God is my strength. God can be your strength to restore everything you have lost. God is about to draw us under His wing. And as we understand His covenant with us, we will have the ability to do the strange things He requires of us. Then He will draw us near and redeem us fully. Be ready, for we are changing season. And because of our obedience, God has a plan to bring out the glory of the latter days in a much greater proportion than you or I had in the beginning. God has a plan for you to possess your inheritance. Amen? God has a plan. Let's all stand. God bless you. Strange thing that, laying your head down at the Kingsman Redeemer. Fantastic love story of Jesus who loves the church. And if the church would come to Jesus and lay his feet, lay, lay, lay at his feet, Jesus, help us understand this. The boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. He is like a tree planted in streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. I believe the Holy Spirit is looking at people today. The Holy Spirit is looking at you and I and giving you fair indication of a future and a hope and a new day of so much more in God. Just like when Jesus looked at Peter and said, You are no longer Simon, but you are Peter. And upon you I will build my church. I believe that there's people here that God is suggesting to you that your name is not bitterness, but your name is pleasant, that your name is good, and that God wants to build His church through you. Lord, speak to us about our inheritance.